I'm hoping to finish it. Each time I'm trying to finish it, the Lord gives me a little bit more. So I'm telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want it a book. I just wanted a letter. And, uh, but let me just share with you, and it's going to go right with what we're talking about. If two doors were placed in front of you, one marked miracles, the other marked blessings, which one would you choose? We have assumed for many years miracles is the goal and the pinnacle of a Christian life. It is not. Things like supernatural protection, money provided through supernatural means. I've known people on uh, missions that uh, ran out of gasoline in their vehicle, but the vehicle kept going for days. But even though miracles happen, God has something planned for our lives which is better than miracles. It is a life filled with blessings. Miracles are a jump start into a life of blessings. Miracles are wonderful when they happen, but we don't want to live on jump starts. Miracles, many instances, happen. How many of you realize that miracles happen when you first understood Jesus and you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord? And because of where you were at and how you lived before, you needed a miracle to protect you because of the words that you spoke and the life that you lived. God did miracles. God provided many things. But here's the difference between miracles, and we always believe for miracles. So miracles aren't wrong. But here's the difference between miracles and blessings. Miracles come in a crisis, but blessings keep the crisis from coming. Miracles come in small amounts, but the blessings come in great abundance. Miracles are only enough for you and your family, but blessings are enough for you and others too. Because when we understand the call of God in our life, our call is about others, not really about us. Miracles can come even when you are in unbelief. But watch this. Blessings demand responsibility and obedience. In a miracle, God works for you. In blessings, God works with you. The intimacy of a life that God has called us to, God wants to work with you. And in many instances, we are believing for the miracle, and God says, I have professed blessings over you. Begin to walk in my blessings and receive that. See, by definition, a miracle is a divine intervention into the laws of nature. In other words, in miracles, God works against nature. But in blessings, God works with natural laws. The difference there is that what God wants in our life is such intimacy with him that in the normal seas of life at the dinner table, in the normal seas of going to the gas station, in the normal seas of driving to work, in the normal seas of getting up and coming to church, God wants intimacy and wants to bless you. He wants to overwhelm you with his blessings. The promises of God 
are yea and amen. God wants to overwhelm you with every instance of his truth. Miracles are temporary, but blessings are eternal. See, Israel crossed the Red Sea once. Israel crossed the River Jordan once. The manna was given and then taken away. One day, the Bible tells us that the manna will return. And when the manna returns, it's because of the blessings of the Lord, not because of a crisis of starvation. You see, God's desire for us is to be consumed with him and not be consumed with our needs. When you are consumed with God, with the Holy Spirit, your needs begin to melt away. God will work with the natural laws of life. God will provide. He will expand. He will do things for you as you give, as you minister, as you speak. God will do miraculous things. Why? Because you are his daily delight. God is so overwhelmingly in love with his sons and daughters. And we have to recognize that, even though a lot of our lives we've heard the opposite of that from people. We've heard the opposite of that from maybe even parents. And the anger and the feeling, the emotional stress that we have, God has given us the ability to really uh, turn that around and walk in the blessings of the Lord. We've been talking about proclaiming your future. And today we're going to continue in the part of this called Heaven's Language. In this series, Proclaiming Your Future, we're discovering how important the words that we say, how important our words, what we say from our mouth that comes from our heart. The Bible tells us that life and death are in the power of our tongue. And so literally we can speak death or we can speak life to areas of our life. And literally we're talking about our future. How many of you want to have a blessed future? Then let your mouth proclaim it. Let your mouth precede the blessings. Be thankful for the things that you have, but be thankful that God has even more. The Bible says greater things does he have for you. Greater is the Lord that's in you than he that's in the world. That when you, when you pray that God will exceedingly, abundantly give you even more than even what you could ever ask or think. And I mixed up a bunch of scriptures there, and the reason why is because God is not a scripture God. God is a God. And the whole Bible is God. So when you read one scripture or 50 scriptures, it's God. So the quality of life that you live depend on what you say. The quality of life you're going to have in the future depends on what you say. So we're learning how to reconstruct our mouths, aren't we? Some of you have, have called me and a couple people who are on vacation, listened to the podcast, texted me and said, 
oh, geez, pastor. You know, because when we talked about the 10 sins of the tongue and different things like that, we, we have to understand the importance of our mouth, that words just don't fall to the ground. Words are powerful. The Lord told Moses this because Moses says to the Lord an untruth. Now, let me just tell you, true, Moses struggled with what he said, but Moses didn't have problems with his speech. And I'm going to prove that to you. But because of fear, because of doubt, because of all the stuff that went on in his life and what he experienced, Moses began when God said, I want you to do this. He said, I can't do it. How many of you have lived your life and there are things in your life that you've run from because you thought you couldn't do it? I want to tell you, if God says it, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Exodus 4, let's read this again. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Now let me just explain that to you. God said, I created mankind, and I created them perfect. But because of sin of man, it, allowed, it opened the door of the enemy and cursed to come in and try to destroy our bodies. And that's why you have the mute, the blind, and all the different things. Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. And then we find out that he still struggled, and so God had to appoint someone else, Aaron, to be his mouthpiece. But in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, remember the guy named Stephen who was stoned? In chapter 7, Stephen began to proclaim and preach. And, and it's one of the greatest sermons you'll ever read and study. Um, you know, I, I read this sermon probably three or four times a year, and I just go over it and study it because it's powerful what he says. But notice what Steve, Stephen says. He said, Moses was mighty in words. Now, Exodus says, I'm not eloquent, and Stephen said, uh, Moses was mighty. Here's the difference. Moses gave God his mouth, and by the end of his life, he was mighty in words. Fear will cause you to back away from what God wants you to do. Fear will cause you to back away even from God's blessings. And so what we have to do is we have to train our mouth. We have to begin. Now, of course, we've learned about getting in the Word of God. We speak the Word of God, all these things. But that's not what we want to talk about today. Today, I want to talk to you again and continue and how God is and has restored a language to us. And we're going to go through Scripture, and I want you to stay with me because now you're going to hear your pastor go in the next gear. And I'm going to begin to flow with this. You've got the notes, but I'm going to tell you exactly what has been restored. And I pray that every, each one of you walk out of this door understanding, now I know I got this thing. I can do this. God said, if you will give me your mouth, I will teach you what to say. God is saying to you the same thing. This story is an Old Testament truth of God speaking through Moses, but now the New Testament covenant is the Holy Spirit indwelling 
in you. And remember, when we said the gift of the Spirit, what is the gift of the Spirit? Many people will say tongues, interpretation, healing, workers of miracles. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Everything that God does, even through gifts, he wants intimacy with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to know he loves you, and he wants you to let him know that you love him. So the Lord is restoring to the church the baptism, we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with an anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, with a, it includes, with a prayer language. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Notice that word, or words, one accord, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So let's continue with the truths that we gave you. We gave you two last week. Let's go over that and let's continue in this regarding this prayer language. The prayer language, we have found that it is a language. In Acts 2, 5 and 6, notice, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Remember last week, we studied that this heavenly language is a language that is brought out with tongues that we don't have understanding of unless it's interpreted, and, and tongues of angels or tongues of men. And you do it all in faith. So what happened was when they were speaking, they were speaking in this heavenly language, heavenly prayer, and what happened is some of it was a heavenly language that no one understood, and some of it was the language of the day. If it's today, it would be English, Spanish, Italian, you name it. It would be a language that people would know. And watch what they said in the Scripture. We didn't read that, but it also says that when they did that, they heard them glorifying God. So wouldn't you like to have a language? Wouldn't you like to be able to speak all the time and everything you say glorifies God? Amen. So there's something here that we found that in the early 1900s began Azusa Street Revival, actually about five years before that. But literally, we find in history, the early 1900s, that we find this language being restored. Now, let me ask you this. Is this language being restored? Is that biblical? Or is it something that just man is doing? Because a lot of people say, oh, that language no longer is for today. But let me prove to you that the language is for today and the language is for you. The second truth that we found is the prayer language is a language of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and your spirit, your spirit praying. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 through 14 and 15. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Notice this language is used to speak to the Lord. For no one understands him, however, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. 
For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, notice that, your spirit prays, but my understanding, your soul, is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. People, some people go extreme, and they say, well, when you pray, if you really want to pray right, you got to pray in tongues. No. You know what one of the greater part of prayer is? Is when you pray the Word of God. When you pray the Word of God, it's right on. So I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. When we sing here, we sing with understanding. But what you're going to experience is you're going to experience at times that we're going to begin to ask the congregation who have this heavenly language, and let me just tell you, you all have it because you all have the Holy Spirit if you're born again, to begin to pray in this and worship in this heavenly language. So when you submit your tongue to God, you open your mouth and by faith begin to speak and let God use your tongue. Remember last week, we talked about it's like training children to speak. That when your children speak at the beginning, they say funny words. I had all my grandchildren in my office this morning. And I'm hoping that they come in because they love their papa. But I think they come in because they know when they leave, I give them some jelly beans. Don't tell their parents, all right? Erase it, you know, on the... But I give them jelly beans. But my youngest, Reed, we call him Rito is uh, he just looked at the jelly beans and just began to talk to me. And he sounded like he was speaking in a heavenly language. <laughs> I didn't understand a word he said. But you know what? You all laugh because it's cute. And so when we begin, it sounds foolish to us. But to God, it's cute. Because God gave you, you're learning, you're growing in your heavenly language. And when I began speaking in tongues in my heavenly language, it sounded foolish. And I had to shut my soul up because my soul was saying, that's weird, you're weird, stop it. And that's why a lot of people have had problems because the enemy comes in and wants to bring confusion and to create an atmosphere around you where you won't do it because he knows if you do, Powerful things will happen, and I'm going to prove to you that too. I'm going to show you in Scripture that what God has given us is so powerful, but the reason why life gets a lot of struggles is because we don't understand how powerful it is, but after today, you will. Everything is by faith. Tell your neighbor it's about faith. Just go ahead. Your mind says you're crazy because your understanding is unfruitful. It is the language of the Spirit. Have you ever read about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6? Isn't it powerful? The armor of God is just awesome. I read about it. I've studied it. I I did a whole, years ago uh, at a youth camp, I did a whole week on the armor of God. And it was really weird because when I was studying and, and putting all that together, it took me about eight months to put it all together for the next summer camp. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, you forgot something. I said, what? I forgot something. And the Holy Spirit had me open up my Bible to Ephesians chapter 6 again. And what I did, I did a whole study of verses 10 through 17, and I forgot 
verse 18. So keep that in mind, and let's begin uh, to talk about this. Most people, when they speak of the armor, they leave out the last verse, verse 18. So let's read, and let's look at this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of the might, of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategy, the wiles of strategy of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Just named the hierarchy of the demonic realm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day or a day of attack. Any of you ever felt like you've been spiritually attacked? Yeah, okay. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. How do you stand? How do you handle it? Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I put a, I, we purchased a soldier's out, Roman soldier's outfit, and we, we began to explain every part, what it did, what it was for, and all the different things. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen, hallelujah, but we forgot something. The most powerful tool that God has given you. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. When you pray in tongues, you are praying in the Spirit. Is it possible, just let me ask this, I'm not accusing, I'm not saying anything, uh, you know, against anybody. I'm just asking to get you to think this way. Is it possible you are losing battles because you are not putting on the whole armor of God? The Bible says put on the whole armor of God. Well, here's the truth. Here's the third truth. The heavenly language, it's the language that builds us up. We find in today's society, and actually not in today's society, we find in society forever. People under stress, people in depression, people upset, people angry, people mad. People are just like emotionally distraught. People feel lonely. Did you know that there's a statistic that they just did, and it is well known by, by psychiatrists, psychologists, that 30% of the millennial age say that they are lonely. 30%. Did you know that 28% of the millennials say they have no friends? And I'm saying, what? You got thousands of them on the phone, but they have no friends. So what we find in today's society is depression, not feeling good, not feeling loved, not cared for, people abused, people, uh, all kinds of things. And true, there are some evil people out there. But look at Jude, verse 20. But you, point to your neighbor and say you, go ahead. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, 
praying in the Holy Spirit. Did you know that this heavenly language is given to you so you won't fall into loneliness and depression? Because the enemy knows, or, or God knows what the enemy is go- wanting to do. He's wanting you to feel lonely. He's wanting you to feel like no one is in agreement with you. He's wanting you to feel like that there's no hope in anything, and you get depressed, and you feel like nothing's going to happen right, and everything's falling apart. He wants you to do that. But if you put on the whole armor of God, the heavenly language will build you up. Now, When we hear build up, you need to study this in the Greek text, and I'm not going to spend time because of time, but it literally talks to you and me, is it will change the way you think. It'll change the way you think. Even if someone's done something wrong with you, you don't react to it but you go home and spend time praying in your heavenly language, your spirit will absolutely overwhelm you and change the way you think about the person and about the situation. That you will begin to walk in in an anointing, even though that person is evil, that person is is an angry person, and, and you need to almost clear yourself away from that person, you're gonna be able to see that person in a different light. Because the strength and the power of your heavenly language. So according to verse 20, how do you build your spirit? By praying in the Holy Spirit. But there's a lot of people who've been told it's not of God, it's not for today, it's of the devil, everything, and don't use it. Again, if you were the devil, and you knew the power of the tool of heavenly language, if you were the devil, would you create confusion? Of course you would. We'll look back at 1 Corinthians 14.4 again. See, what's happening here in the book of Corinthians is Paul is correcting the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church of the day is the baby church. And the Corinthian church got so excited about the Holy Spirit by the time the apostles got over there that they were just going nuts with it and it was great stuff but they were doing it out of order. It was getting out of kilter. And not that it was bad, but that what was happening was people were being confused on how this works. And so Paul went there and and by sending a letter in correcting the Corinthian church. Verse four, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Bottom line, what he's saying, I want you to understand that this tongue, again, what I've been telling you, is a heavenly language that's there to build you up. It's there to help you move into the realm that God's called you to. When struggles are happening, when frustration and all this stuff and fear wants to climb all over you, you begin to pray in this heavenly language, and it will transform, again, the way you think. Very important. Another thing that I want to show you, this is the way your pastor studies. I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. But in today's day, you can sound like one. Because you can actually look up the terminologies and everything and and do that. Now, Pastor Dan 
is beginning to speak Greek, biblical Greek. And he's studying it like crazy. So I'll even ask, I haven't asked him on this, but this is well written about. But notice here, it says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but, the word but. Did you know that same word in the Greek language, the word but, is translated 90% of the time in the New Testament, that Greek word is translated and. So you can read it. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself and he who prophesies edifies the church. So basically, he's not saying but that this is better than the other. He's saying and that it's very important that we do both. That this is important. See, because the enemy wants to bring confusion and he wants you to get your heavenly language out of the picture so that all these blessings don't happen for you. The problem in the Corinthian church is when they gathered, they spoke in tongues all the time. It's like you get out of the parking lot, out in the parking lot, you open the door and someone who's working in the parking lot is close by and he says good morning, but instead of good morning, he speaks to you in tongues. You have no clue what the guy's saying. So then what you do is you answer in tongues. So they were just walking around speaking in tongues and he's bottom line saying, no, this is not how it's supposed to work. Paul's saying when you speak in tongue, it edifies you, and that's a good thing. But the main goal of a church is to equip the saints of the work of the ministry, is to edify one another. So everything you do, you do to edify one another. This ministry, when I'm up here teaching, it is about you, it's not about me. There are people through the years that will accuse me of being that guy up on the platform, what a big authority guy. You know what? It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with I just absolutely are head over heels in love with this congregation, and I'm called here, and I will study, I'll work hard, I'll do everything I can to equip you for the work of the ministry. I can't change you. I can't fix things for you, but I can sure teach you and get you to a place where you know who can. Amen? Because it's about edifying one another. So it's good to edify yourself, but when you go to church, don't greet each other in tongues. Because they don't understand. Now, we need to build ourselves up all the time. You need to do this all, often. I'll prove to you that's what Scripture says. The verse 5 then says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Oh, see, see? Because that's not, it's not very important. Prophecy, a prophet is more important. Wait a minute. We must understand Paul penned these verses, but the Holy Spirit authored them. The Holy Spirit authored these. What is the Holy Spirit saying? The Holy Spirit says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Everyone has to understand that. The Holy Spirit, God himself says, I wish all you spoke in tongues. He didn't say some of you, most of you, part of you. He said all of you. So if you have any hang-ups regarding speaking or praying in tongues, you got to get over it. If you've been to a church that says tongues are not for today, you got to get over that because I'm showing you it is for today. Watch. Verse 5 also says, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. <gasps> Really? 
So if you prophesy, you're greater than me. No, where in Scripture do you find that the Scripture is talking about someone's better than another person? It never does. But look what it says. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless, unless what? Here's the answer. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may be edified. So this is talking about the gifts, gift of tongues with the gift of interpretation. There are nine gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit you find in Scripture. We're not teaching on that because of time, but bottom line, when you have a gift of tongues and interpretation, that equals prophecy. Tongues, your heavenly language, is for you to pray to the Lord. And so when you're in the church, he said, be more focused on loving one another. Be more focused on ministering to others when you come to church. So when the tongue is interpreted, the tongue is equal to prophecy because the church then is edified. Praying in the Spirit is like lifting weights in the Spirit. Someone says, you mean, Pastor, you pray in tongues? Here's my answer to that. And you don't? With the power of this language, you don't? There is a truth in the Bible that builds you up, and that's a heavenly language. And many don't use it. We need to do it every day, driving to work. Of course, if you're driving to work in a carpool, don't do it. Got other people around. You're going to sound crazy to them. Verse 18. Then he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. The Apostle Paul is saying this. Look at verse 39. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Look at these words and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things, everyone say all things, be done decently in order. But you know the problem with the church today is we have focused so long on the decently and in order part. We forgot it said, let all things be done. So a valid community church, and and you experience it periodically, but what you're going to experience more at Valley Community Church, I'm just readying you for this, is that we're going we're gonna to experience this more often. I've heard people say, well, you can't, you know, people, sometimes they, the pastor's up front and says, now let's all together just begin to raise our hands and pray in our heavenly language to the Lord. Oh, you can't do that. You can't, yes, you can, because everybody's praying to the Lord. Everybody knows that's what's going on. I'm not praying in tongues for you to understand me. I'm praying to the Lord. And then if need be, the Holy Spirit says, you know, there's something I want to say to the body of Christ and edify the church. Then what you'll have is an individual speak in tongues and an individual interpret. Okay? So where in the Bible does it say, don't do it? The Bible says, don't ever do that. Don't ever say don't. Isn't that what it said? It did. We just read that. And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Don't tell people to not speak in tongues that it's not of today. 
Amen. Now, decently in order is right in the middle of this, someone stands up and starts speaking in tongues and then sits down. That's out of order. That's totally out of order. If someone has a message, they come and they let you know, and it happens. I would hope that in most of our messages that we would begin it, I would hope the Holy Spirit would allow us to really move into that realm of the gifts of tongues and interpretation together, working together. Amen. But you notice a lot of times it's prophecy only given in the language. You know, like first two services here, it'll be in English, and the third service at Valley will be in Spanish. But I'd like it to be tongues in English, tongues in Spanish. Amen. See, that's what God wants to do. And it's not anything weird. It's done in order. But being in order doesn't mean you don't do it. Verse 39 and 40 again at the end of it. And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done and decently in order. Let all things be done. From tongues, speaking the word, worship, everything done in order. Verse 39 says, and don't forbid to speak with tongues. But when you do it, let it be done decently in order. Mark 16, 17, look what it says. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. In Jesus' name, I cast you out. And then they don't speak in tongues. In this verse, what is the requirement for casting out demons and speaking in tongues? Those who believe. That's a requirement. You know the requirement, bottom line, you have to have the Holy Spirit. How do you get the Holy Spirit? You get born again. Once you get born again, you have what you need. But you have to allow God to use your mouth. You have to allow your spirit to use your mouth. You have to, in the beginning, it doesn't sound good to you. So in this verse, the requirement for casting out demons and speaking in tongues is belief. Here's the fourth truth. And this is where I wanted to get to. This is going to transform your thinking. The heavenly language, it is a pure language. In Genesis chapter 11, I'm going to show you something I think is so amazing. Watch, watch what God does. Genesis chapter 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. Remember Tower of Babel? When all the people got together and, and uh, they began to build this tower. Uh, to heaven because they wanted to get to heaven. It's the same mentality that, that the devil, Lucifer, Satan, wanted to overthrow heaven. He was cast out. He wanted to be God. He was cast out. So that same mentality was mankind who now, after Adam and Eve sinned, are living in sin. So now what they want to do is they want to build a tower to heaven because they want to overthrow God. I mean, it sounds like Hollywood, doesn't it? But it's not Hollywood. Hollywood, in most cases, is fake. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. So the question is, the story is, a, is the Tower of Babel. The question is, the whole earth had one language. What was the language? So the whole earth had one language. What was the language? Was it Spanish, 
English, Hebrew, Greek. This was even before Abraham, so it couldn't have been Hebrew. Another question. What language did Adam and Eve speak in the garden? See, the whole earth had one language. At this time, the whole earth has one language. So watch what happens. They start building the tower. They're just so passionate. Yeah, we're going to do this, and we're all in one purpose. Come on, let's get a huddle and ready, break. Yeah, and let's go get it. And they're all on the same team, and they're ready to go. Look at verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. You know what God said there? They had one purpose. They had one language. And to them, because of that, nothing's impossible. It was a language that God had given Adam. It was the one language that God had given Adam and then the people after Adam until the Tower of Babel. Now look at verse 7. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. That's where all the languages of the earth come from. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Wouldn't you love to know what that language was? I mean, that language, if they came in, in one accord, one purpose, all spoke the same language, God said, nothing is impossible for them. So from there the Lord created all the languages, and here it is what I saw. They're trying to build a tower to heaven. Why didn't God let them? He didn't let them because they could do it. But they were sinners. Now follow, nothing they prepared to do could be withheld from them. So God says, let's go down and take this language away from them. They have the language of Adam and Eve, and now it's a fallen language or fallen nature, so the language was taken away. So the language makes them one, and they could do anything, and God takes it away. Now, do you remember this scripture? It's in your Bible. It's in part of the Bible that all the pages are still white because we don't read this book very much. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, says this. For then I will restore. Everyone say restore. restore. Early 1900s, God's restoring. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Notice he said he will restore it. God is restoring the language that nothing is impossible. I, I said this to the first service, I'll say it to you. 
If you're not fired up about that, God is restoring the language that nothing is impossible. And if you're not fired up about that, your firewood is wet. Every language in the world has profanity, but one does not. It is the language of heaven. Now let me show you this. God said, I took it away. Now I'm giving it back. The book of Zephaniah speaks of the Messiah coming, not the rapture or the millennial reign. The Messiah coming to the earth. They had a fallen nature and the language was taken away for that reason. Now Jesus comes. The Messiah will come and redeem them. And since that happens, I'll change their nature and give the language back and it will make them one and nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Oh, church, let's read Zephaniah 3.9. But then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Notice the last three words, to serve him with one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You know what one place means? One purpose. They were all in one accord. I want to tell you how powerful and how important this language is for you. That's what we are to do. That's what we are to understand. And that's why the enemy has tried to rip you off and rip us off from this language. And today, from now on today, you will hear from your pastor that we will function in this in a greater way. The ladies on Monday morning, amen. The ladies on Monday morning, they get on the phone and they pray in tongues. My family on Monday night at 8.30, from all my kids and Melissa Klaus's brother and, and wife, we all get on the phone for 10 minutes and we pray in tongues. Every morning I pray in tongues. Every noontime I pray in tongues. Every evening I pray in tongues. In the car I pray in tongues. Why do I do that? Because it's been restored to us. And if we pray in tongues, our heavenly language, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So let me give you a reminder. The prayer language may sound funny, but open your mouth and move your tongue. Uttering sounds and yielding your tongue. Why? Because it's a language. It is the language of the Holy Spirit. It builds you up and it's pure. And when you grab a hold of this, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing. Not one thing. I'm telling you, you go to school tomorrow and you greet someone with tongues, they're going to call you fool. 
because that's not what it's for. You're to be a friend that edifies. You don't edify someone with a tongue. You edify them with prophecy. In other words, prophecy is a knowledge of knowing. It is telling something. It is blessing. It is honoring. It is, it is being a person uh, that, that says, I, I, I love that dress. You look good today. I love that haircut. You're awesome. Oh, man. Can you help me with this? You're so good at that. You're, you're building people up. That's what prophecy does. But that building up comes from the Lord. But here you are. When you're in workplace, you don't pray in tongues in your cubicle. The boss is going to get called. You're going to be called in and get a demerit. Because what in the world are you doing? What are you cussing in your cubicle for? I'm not cussing. I'm praying in tongues. What? You know, they call in a psychologist because they don't understand it. But when you're by yourself, you're praying. You're praying in your heavenly language. And watch this. When we are worshiping the Lord and there's some battle we want to do, there's some things we want to do. So all of a sudden we're led to raise our hands and to worship the Lord and begin to sing or speak in our heavenly language. That's not confusion because we're all speaking to the Lord. And if you're here and, and you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with, and speaking this language, I want to tell you, I understand that. I've been in ministry almost 40 years. I understand what, what that is. I understand when I first uh, was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I started speaking in tongues, it took me three months to get over. This is weird. I don't know what I'm saying. You know, I don't know, you know, and it sounds so dumb. It sounds so young. I sound like a baby. Amen. Some of you who speak in tongues, remember that? How many of you now know that your language has expanded? Yeah, yeah, amen. And your language has expanded. And, and so why is that? Because you're growing up in this. And let me just tell you, I'm going to give you something for future attractions in this series. Did you know that at times the Holy Spirit will lead you to ask the Lord for the interpretation of your prayer? And guess what God's going to do? Nah, I'm not going to show it to you. You know what he's going to do? He's going to show it to you. But remember, tongues is not really, you know, about anybody else. It's about building you up. You are very special to the Lord. And with this language he gives you, it creates intimacy with him. Let's all stand.